We are moving rapidly towards Easter. Y'all know Easter's coming up, right? Uh, two weeks from today is Easter Sunday. It is like the Super Bowl of churches. Like, churches love Easter, right? I mean, I think every we should love every Sunday, but I get it. Like, we really love Easter. Um, we started this series called True Story, True Story, in 2015, if you're here for the first time. So we've been in Luke a long time. Now, we've kind of taken breaks and done other stuff, but it's like way back in December 2015 we started this, and now here we are. This is the last mini-series. We started breaking up into mini-series, and so the culmination is the last mini-series of this series, True Story. Here, this is a really cool thing. That's a lot to remember. Um, when it's all said and done, on Easter we'll finish this series. We will culminate True Story on Easter Sunday morning, and it'll be message number 77. In this series, which I just thought was really cool because y'all know we're not smart enough to figure that out. I, y'all do know that, right? Turn to the person next to you and say, Paul's not that smart. Because you know I'm not. Like, there's no way back in 2015 I went through the whole book of Luke and divided it up into 77. Th- it's just, just the way God is. So some of y'all are like, what's the big deal about 77? Seven's the number of completion. It's a big deal, right? So that's, that's really cool. So today we're in Luke chapter 23, and we're going to talk about the cross um, the cross means a lot of different things to a lot of different people. So I'm just going to say right up front, um, it might not mean the same thing to you as it does to me. It might not mean the same thing to you as it does to the person next to you. For some people, the cross, if we're being honest, it's just something you wear around your neck. It's a piece of jewelry, right? For some, it's, uh, it's something you put on a T-shirt. For others of us, it's a, it's a tattoo, right? I mean, it's a really cool, you can make it look a re- like a really cool tattoo, for others in the room, it's like a sacred symbol, right, of this thing that happened a long time ago. We don't, maybe we don't even understand it, but we know it's really a big deal. And so I want to say that um, throughout the ages, people have tried to depict the cross in artwork, right? Um, I brought a couple just to show you because they're all, they're all different. So sometimes the, the pictures of the cross, the paintings, these are paintings. I know that you're, you're shocked to even hear me talking about paintings, but sometimes the paintings look kind of... Um, Let's see. Well, I'm trying to think how to describe this first one. This is a style of painting. Um, it's almost romanticized. You know what I'm saying? Like you look at it and you're like, man, that's pretty. But then you're like, how can that be pretty? Because it's like the cross. Um, how many of you ever, how many of you got caught up in the whole phenomenon that was glamour shots? Anybody here get caught up in that? Yeah, yeah, like. Glamour shots was a funny little thing, wasn't it? Like you would, you would take people that you saw all the time, and then you would see their glamour shot, and you'd be like, you should be in movies. It's just like, I don't know, like every picture is normal, and all of a sudden it's like, hey. <laughs> like turn a certain way, and suddenly like there's, there's glowing behind them, and like their hair got big, and like it's just crazy, wasn't it? So I'm not, making, I'm not saying that Jesus got a glamour shot. I'm just saying that some of the paintings throughout history really romanticized And they don't do it disrespectfully. It was just a style. I get it. So they would kind of romanticize the cross, right? And then let's go to the complete other extreme. You get like the grunge paintings, right? So people are like, why are they making Jesus look like he got a glamour shot? Let's make it look like it really was. And so like we'll put a lot of blood on Jesus and like kind of rip the, the canvas. And it'll just be like dark, and even that's not even close to what Jesus was on the cross, right? Y'all, y'all get that. And then you get, like, artsy crosses. Any artsy people in the room? They're like, ooh, 
let's get a silhouette. And we're like, this is like Jesus green screened. You know what I'm saying? Like we'll put a background behind him that probably wasn't really there, but it'll look so good. And then you have people who are like, why are we just focused on Jesus? Let's get the whole crowd, right? So you'll get paintings like this, and they'll have like all the, all the thieves that were with him and all the people that were on the, on the ground around him. And they're, just trying, they're trying to capture the whole scene. Does that, does that make sense? But those are not my favorite paintings. I found a painting. I don't actually own this painting. So some of y'all will be like, Paul has paintings? What is happening? Um, but I found this painting. I saw it years ago. And it's just always captivated me. It was, it was painted by a French artist. I hope I get his name right, James. I knew I got that one right, but the second part, his last name is Tussaud. I'm pretty sure it's Tussaud. And he painted a painting, and here's what he called it, What Jesus Saw from the Cross. Can we throw that up there? I love this painting because Jesus is not even in it. Well, he kind of is. It's hard to see, but at the very bottom, those are Jesus' feet. And so this is a painting from the perspective of Jesus on the cross. And it's all the people that he might have seen as he was on the cross. And I love that. Such a different perspective. Sometimes what, what happens for us is like we see a mob, right? But Jesus saw people in the mob. We see the crowd. But in this painting, you can look at it and go, oh, I bet that's this person. Oh, I bet that's this person. Oh, I think there's some soldiers. Oh, there's some ladies crying. Like you see individuals in the crowd. Sometimes in the church we say things like this, Jesus died for everyone. And that's true, right? But he died for individuals, not just the whole big crowd. As I was reading through our, our text today, we'll, we'll be in Luke 23, verses 26 to 43. As I was reading through that, what kept coming back to me as I'm reading through it is like, how many specific types of people are highlighted in that scripture? Like Luke didn't just say, Jesus died for the whole world. He, he picks out certain people and he highlights who they are. And I just, it, it just grabs my attention. It reminds me of that painting, right? So this is kind of like if Luke was going to paint the crucifixion, I think maybe that's what he might have done. Because he saw individual groups of people. Jesus loves us too much to leave us anonymous. Hey, listen. I'm with y'all. Sometimes I like to hide in a crowd. Anybody else? Sometimes just like, can I just slip in the crowd and just hide? That's like, that's when we hate it. When y'all get, you go to a church or somewhere, they're like, yeah, if you're here for the first time, stand up. Turn around and wave to everybody. It's like crazy. We have a gift for you. Come to the front to receive it. You know, it's like, we're like, I'd rather just hide. But here's the thing. The cross doesn't really allow us to do that. The cross doesn't really allow us to hide. Jesus loves us too much to let us remain anonymous. Y'all know I'm big on big ideas, right? So, like, I, and if you're new here, this is what a big idea is. The big idea is me admitting that you're not going to remember everything I say. Everybody's like, Whew, I've already forgotten almost everything you've said. The big idea is if you can remember this one thing that I say based in Scripture, then I think you'll get it. Right? So here's the big idea today. At the cross, everyone becomes every one. 
Do I have teachers and educators in the house? Raise your hand. Okay, this is going to be crowd participation time. I'm counting on y'all, okay? All you're going to do, and, and it sounds like I'm manipulating, but you're not going to be manipulated. All you're going to do is in a minute you're going to clap for me, okay? What was that? Seriously? It's like <laughs> teachers clapping for Paul. Huh, whatever. You're going to clap for me because here's what's going to happen. We're going to have a little grammar lesson. Y'all ready? Okay? Because y'all think I'm just trying to be cute. But actually, everyone versus everyone. The term, the word everyone refers to the collective whole. Everyone, grammatically. But the phrase everyone, grammatically, refers to every person individually who makes up the whole of every one. Teachers, you know you want to clap right now because I nailed that. I nailed that. Come on. I nailed it a whole lot better than y'all clapped. I'll tell you that. Okay, so here we are. Here we are. Oh, I just snorted. Did y'all hear it? Okay, it's just, it was just me. I shouldn't have said anything. I just heard it. Okay, so Luke 23. We're going to read these verses, 26 through 43, and then here's what's going to happen. I believe that in these verses are five, five groups, five different everyones. Okay, so not everyone, but every one. There's five distinct types of people that we find in this passage at the cross. What I think is important to remember is that these are the same five groups of people that, you're, that are sitting in our room today. Okay, same five. We'll get to that in a minute. Here we go, verse 26. It'll be on the screens. Follow along. As they led Jesus away, a man named Simon, who was from Cyrene, happened to be coming in from the countryside. And the soldiers seized him and put the cross on him and made him carry it behind Jesus. A large crowd trailed behind him, including many grief-stricken women. But Jesus turned and said to them, Daughters of Jerusalem, don't weep for me. Weep for yourselves and for your children. For the days are coming when they will say, Fortunate indeed are the women who are childless, the wombs that have not borne a child, and the breasts that have never nursed. People will beg the mountains, fall on us, and plead with the hills, bury us. Y'all know that's not a good day, right? When you're asking mountains to fall on you, not a good time. For if these things are done when the tree is, is green, what will happen when it's dry? Verse 32, two others, both criminals, were led out to be executed with him. And when they came to a place called the Skull, they nailed him to the cross, and the criminals were also crucified, one on his right and one on his left. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. And the soldiers gambled for his clothes by throwing dice. Verse 35, the crowd watched and the leaders scoffed. He saved others, they said. Let him save himself if he really is God's Messiah, the chosen one. The soldiers mocked him, too, by offering a drink of sour wine. They called out to him, if you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. A sign was fastened above him with these words, This is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals hanging beside him scoffed, So you're the Messiah, are you? Well, prove it by saving yourself and us too while you're at it. But the other criminal protested, Don't you fear God even when you've been sentenced to die? We deserve to die for our crimes, but this man hasn't done anything wrong. And then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus replied, I assure you today, you will, be with, you will be with me in paradise. So five, five everyones, okay? So I'm going to make sure you get this. So everyone was at the cross, and Jesus died for everyone. But the cross turns everyone into every one. All right? You with me? So here are five everyones first. 
the unwilling. How many of you like surprises? Raise your hand. Yeah, surprises. Y'all are the people that you want to be on Oprah, right? You get a car, and you get a car, and you get a car, and you get a turtle. You're like, that wasn't a surprise I wanted, right? So how many of you don't like surprises? Anybody here, like, you're like, an, like I don't mean this in a bad way, but like kind of social anxiety thing. Like, I, re, I relate to that, right? Growing up, struggling with anxiety that I did not like to be put on the spot. I mean, you have no idea. Sometimes, like some Sundays, I don't want to be here, right? I just want to, like, hide in the crowd, not be put on the spot. My family, and they did it because they loved me. I'm sure it was because they loved me. I'm positive it was because they loved me. They threw me a surprise 16th birthday party. They even invited people that they thought were my friends. Yeah, like people they knew that I hung out with at school. That doesn't make them my friend necessarily, but they had them there. So I come home and walk in the house, and it was like, surprise! And I'm like sweating, right? I'm just like freaking out. Social anxiety, like what is going on right now? And then those people stayed. Like it was crazy. Like they stayed for the whole party. Ugh. Surprises, right? Like we don't, I don't know, some people love it, some people hate it. Um, I want to say that the person I think about in this story, I think about Simon, poor old Simon, right? He's just hanging out in the crowd, like kind of get swept up in it, kind of seeing what's going on. And all of a sudden, like these Roman soldiers, they're like calling at him, like, no, you come over here. And you pick up, they put the cross on his back. And he went from being like a, a spectator to, in every way, a participant. But he's like an unwilling participant, right? It'd be like, like what would that be like today? I, I don't know. It'd be like, I'm done preaching here. You preach. Okay, so we're talking about anxiety. It'd be like that, right? Like suddenly you're, you go from like, is your heart okay, by the way? <laughs> You're good. I picked the wrong person. He's like, he was going, pick me, pick me. Some of y'all could have picked y'all to be like a puddle on the floor, right? It's like that. Like Simon's there and he's watching. But listen, can I just say this? It's one thing to look at Simon and go, well, he wasn't willing, but he did it. Can I just say that here in the room today, there are unwilling people at the cross. I don't say that because I don't love you. I just say that because I know how this thing works. Some of you, are, you have friends that said, no, really, come to church today. It'll be awesome. Paul didn't preach that long, and after it's over, we'll get food. And now here you are, you're like, why is that guy preaching? So, like, what? He's talking about Jesus and stuff. I don't want to be here, but you're here. Some of you believers, you're like, Paul, anything but the cross, man. Like, you don't know what the, the kind of week I had. I need, I need something fun. Like, show a funny video. I need something up, like uplift my soul. Come on, man. And you don't want to hear this either. You don't want to hear about the cross. Sometimes we're unwilling participants at the cross. And we, we look at Simon and go, well, he didn't, he, I'm not like him. No, sometimes we are. Sometimes we don't come willingly to the cross. We have to be thrown in there. We don't know what happened to Simon. But here's what I do know. I, I can guarantee you he was never the same after that day. Now, I personally think that you won't be the same either. I personally think because you're here, not because I'm the best preacher in the world, but because Jesus is here, that you won't leave the same today, even if you didn't really want to be here. Huh. 
Second group. I thought that was really good. Thank you so much. I thought it was good, too. I'm handing you the mic next. Second group. So Jesus is scanning this large crowd, right? And so he can't carry the cross. Simon's got the cross. And Jesus is looking around, the, and he sees these women in the crowd. And they're grieving. Now, I know what you're thinking. He probably heard them before he saw them. Have you heard women cry, y'all? And some men. <laughs> Just loud. I mean, they're, they're grieving. They're, they're, they're wailing, the Bible says. And he sees them. Now, some of the women that he saw were his mother and some other women that were really close to him in ministry. Some of the women that he saw were women that would not run away and abandon him like the scared disciples did. The big old scary disciples ran away. But the women stayed. These are some of the women that he saw. Now, he said some stuff to them that we don't have time to unpack, but it sounds like it wasn't encouraging. It sounds like, uh, I mean, I don't know I'm getting killed and it looks bad, but don't pray for me. Pray for you. What in the world? So let's take the big picture. As Jesus is going to the cross, he actually notices people that are grieving. How encouraging is that? He sees them. He recognizes that what he's going to go pay for, they're paying for. He's going to go pay for our sins, and the cross that he's going to go hang on is costing them dearly. His mom is going to watch her son die, hurt, and go through pain. It's going to cost her something for him to pay the price for us to be free. Sometimes, listen, I have to be honest, this life of Christianity, sometimes we want all of the promise and we don't want any of the pain. There's pain that comes in the promise. The good news is the promise comes, right? That's a good thing. But just a couple, a couple verses for you. Mark chapter 8, verse 34. Jesus said, if any of you wants to be my follower, and I mean, am I the only one that wants to be his follower? Anybody else in the room like, I want to be his follower? Okay, good, seven. All right, that's fantastic. The hope of Albemarle. Stronger than ever. If any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way, take up your cross, and follow me. Listen, someone's got to say it. There's a cost at the cross. And, you know, some of us pay that more than others, if we're honest. Some of us have paid a greater price because of the cross. Some of us have lost jobs because of the cross. Some of us have lost relationships because of the cross. Because at some point, you turned to the person that you were close to and said, I don't know about you, but I'm going to follow Jesus. And they were like, I know about me, and I'm not. See ya. And it caused a divide. Some families are fractured because of the cross. In some countries, people are dying because of the cross. I know we feel like we're dying here because people laughed at you when you prayed, but come on, y'all. In other countries, people are actually dying because of the cross. Philippians chapter 3, verses 10 and 11, Paul wrote this. I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. Come on. How many of you know, know that that is tomorrow morning's promise? Monday morning, alarm's going off. You have elbowed the snooze button 10 or 15 times. And you're going to remember that you'll be like, oh, God, I want to know Christ and the, the mighty power, the mighty power that raised him from the dead. Get me up out of this bed right now. That's a Monday morning promise right there, right? We want that. But what did Paul say after that? He said, I want to suffer with him, sharing in his death, 
so that one way or another I will experience the resurrection from the dead. He's like, either I'm going to physically die and be resurrected, or I'm going to feel like I'm dying and need to be resurrected. But he said, I want the power, absolutely, but I recognize that the power comes from the pain. I want to know the, the suffering of Jesus, and because I know that, I'm going to know the power of the resurrection. There's pain at the cross, and many grieve the loss that comes in following Jesus. I don't want to discount the reward and the peace and the fullness. Like, that is true. He came to give us life and life to the full. Like, it's a good thing. But there's a cost to it. And I don't think we should discount that. Verse 12. I mean, I'm sorry, verse 32. Verse 32 mentions two criminals who were crucified beside Jesus. So I'm going to say that that the, the group that these men represent, the every one group that these men represent are guilty ones. Okay? Now, I, I need to explain this. I know that according to Scripture, all of us are guilty. Right? Turn to the person next to you and say, this is the part where he's talking about you. Okay? All of us are guilty. I know that. I know that. Okay? But I think what sets these men apart from us is that they knew it. Okay? They knew that they were guilty. They were criminals. They had stolen. They knew that they deserved what they were getting. And I think sometimes we don't realize that we're the guilty ones. These are, these are the kind of people who have such a bad past they can't hide it. Do you know people like that? They don't even try to hide it. Like, like you, you meet them. Like, hey, I'm Paul. And they're like, hey, I'm Steve. I kill people. Whoa, hey, nice to meet you. He meant, no, no, I mean, I used to kill people. Oh, that's good. Whew. You know, it's good to know that, right? I mean, I just, they don't even try to hide it. They don't try to sugarcoat it. They just know it's, it's so bad that why even try to hide it? They know who they were. And that's, so when I think of these men, that's what I think of. These are people who know that they've robbed from other people. They know what they've done. They're not trying to hide it. Sometimes we are still like, I think maybe God's waiting on us to have our eyes open up and realize what we've done, right? Not so we can be like all heaped up with shame, but just like at least recognize like, oh, that was what God saved me from. Sometimes we maybe paint too, too pretty of a picture. There are guilty people at the cross. And in verse 35, group four, the crowd watched and the leaders scoffed. If you have the NIV version... It says that the leaders sneered at Jesus. Now, can we just have some fun for a second? Would you sneer at me? Go ahead. I, I don't, what does it look like? Who uses that word? They sneered at me. I mean, it sounds like, the, it sounds like what you would do, right? Like sneered, sneered at me. It's like, it's, like, it's like the skank eye. What is this, right? They sneered. They sneered at him. Like, you got to picture this. Jesus is on the cross, y'all. This is the worst form of punishment known to man in that, at that time, maybe even still today. And they're sneering at the man being killed that way. They're mocking him. These are, these are men who are at the cross who, who see the cross and the Savior on the cross is something to be laughed at. You've got friends like this. 
You've got friends that when you talk to them about Jesus and you talk to them about the cross, they're like, what in, like, are you kidding me? That's why it's a fashion statement for them. They've got a necklace with a cross on it, and they love that. And you're like, do you know what that cross means? And they're like, yeah, it means I look good. They unbutton their buttons a little bit more, right? It's like a cross in the rainforest. What's happening? <laughs> it's weird. Like they see it. They, don't, they just don't know what it means. And you start telling them what it means. You're like, this means that like you and I, we're sinners. And Jesus paid the price for our sins like he died on the cross for us. And they're like, what? They start sneering at you like, that's weird. I don't want to talk about that. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 1.18, I love this. He said, the message of the cross is foolish to those who are headed for destruction. It's not supposed to make sense to them. I mean, God wants it to make sense. He wants their eyes to be open. But when you and I talk to people about the cross, sometimes they're going to look at us like, do what? That's crazy. Does that make any sense? Why would God do that? I don't need that. I'm a good person. It doesn't make any sense to them at all. The message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. It does not mean that tomorrow when a friend says, I don't like that message, you can go, you're a fool. I mean, you can think it, don't say it, right? It just means that to them, the message just does not add up at all. It makes zero sense. And so you know what they do? They mock it. They make movies about it. They write songs about it. They do things that make people that love Jesus go, oh, that hurts my heart. If they only knew what it really meant. The mockers, these are like the people that are killing Jesus and they're yelling stuff at him. Like, well, if you, say, if you are who you say you are, come down and save us at the same time. I mean, Jesus is hanging on a cross and he's got two thieves that are like mocking him at the same time because they don't understand it. And listen, what is the message of the cross? The message of the cross is forgiveness. And here's what I really want you to see. In verse 34, as the mockers are mocking Jesus, as he's giving his life for them, for us, and we're mocking him, Jesus utters these words. Father, forgive them. Now, he's already lost me. Because if you were on the cross and people were mocking you, what would you do? I know what I would do. I'd come down off the cross. I'd slap some people around. And I'd be like, I'd reach up because I'm Jesus. I'd reach up, get some lightning, and I'd, <laughs> and then I'd get back up on the cross. I'd be like, God, I'm doing this for everybody but them. That's how we would be. And that's what the world expects. They did something bad to you, do something bad back to them. The world does not understand the message of somebody giving their life for the very people who were taking it. The, the world will never understand that. That's why Paul said the message of the cross, forgiveness, is foolishness to the world. But to those who are being saved, it's power. Can I tell you that the fifth group, the fifth group shows the power of the message of the cross. Because the fifth group is forgiven people. There's a thief on one side of Jesus and there's a thief on the other. And in Luke, we hear this thief say to Jesus, today, will you remember me in paradise? Now listen, this is important. 
None of the other gospels mention that. In all the other gospel accounts, that thief is just like the other thief, and they're both mocking Jesus. And so some of y'all are like, mm-hmm, that's right, I knew it. I knew the Bible wasn't true, always contradicting itself like that. These stupid preachers tell me I should read it. I might be a stupid preacher. It's possible. We won't argue about that right now, right? But the truth of the matter is the other gospel accounts, most theologians believe that that was just the beginning of the crucifixion. And so both of those thieves were yelling at Jesus, the same insults that the crowd was yelling. But something happened that arrested one of those thieves, that got his attention, that made him go, what? And here's what it was. Jesus turned to the crowd that was killing him and said, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. He forgave them, and this one thief went, dude, what's that about? Are you kidding me? How can you forgive those people? They're, they're killing you right now. They're not just killing you. They're mocking you. Are you, what in the world? And then his friend's like, yeah, so get us down out of here. And he finally realizes, wait a second, we deserve what we're getting. But this man's not done anything. He's innocent and willingly forgiving the guilty ones. And that grabbed that man's heart. And he turned to Jesus. Now, just check this out. He did not turn to Jesus and ask to be saved. He simply said, today, will you remember me in paradise? When you get to where you're going, because I know where I'm going, but when you get to where you're going, will you remember me? And the mercy of God says, today, you'll be with me in paradise. There's, there's a lot of people at the cross, but the greatest Every one group of people are forgiven people. And that day, this thief, he was forgiven. He received the mercy of God at the cross. And that is powerful. Listen, there's always room at the cross for the guilty to become the forgiven. Always room at the cross. That's why Paul said this in 1 Corinthians 2.2. He said, my resolve is to preach Christ and to preach Christ crucified. Can, can you just, for one second, okay, think about this. Oh, bear with me for a second. As the band makes its way to the platform. Band. They'll be out soon. You ever had a weird dream? That's an easy answer. Have you ever woken up from a weird dream and it was so weird that you had to tell somebody? Like, it didn't even make sense. You were like, listen, I had a dream last night. I was wearing a tank top. I was in a minivan. I was in California. We were eating pizza. And then, boom, I was in South Carolina with bull peanuts. It's like, what? Wait, what happened? You were, and there was a tiger. A, a, what? A real, yeah, a real tiger. And then it turned into a cat, like an actual house cat. And then it was a snake. And then I had crackers. It's like, yeah, you just keep telling this, this dream, and they're like, what in the world? But it's like you, had, you just got to share it, right? Like you, it happened, and you have to share it. The reason I say this is because the man who just wrote in 1 Corinthians 2-2 that the only thing he wants to talk about is Jesus and Jesus crucified, that man had dreams, y'all. The Bible says he went to third, the third heaven. He had visions. I mean, if anybody could talk for a long time about things that are really, really important, it's got to be Paul. 
And he said, of all the things that I could talk about, the only thing I really want to talk about is Jesus and him crucified. Because there's power in the message of the cross. There's power in forgiveness. John, John 12, 32. I love this. Jesus is talking. He says, listen, if I'm lifted up, I'll draw all men to me. So he was talking about his death. But here's what I know to be true. This morning, I've been preaching about Jesus, which means I've been lifting him up. And so the rest of it is in his hands. Let me paraphrase what John 12, 32 does not say. And then Jesus said to his disciples, if you'll lift me up with a lot of smoke and lights, and if the worship band will play just the right key, which we all know is the holy key of G, and if Paul will present the altar call in the right way with every head bowed and eye closed and the lights will dim to an exact 32% capacity, and if they will give a tithe, then I might save. That's not what he said. He said, just lift me up and I'll draw men to me. Which means I should have given you a warning earlier. He's already been stirring your heart. The Holy Spirit has already, the whole time I've been talking, you thought you were laughing about jokes. He's been stirring your heart the whole time. Because some of us in here, we're at the cross and we're guilty. And some of us in here, we're at the cross and we're unwilling. Some of us are mockers. But there's a lot of things that we are at the cross, but the one thing God wants us to be is forgiven. Can we put that picture back up one more time, that painting? So I was looking at this the other day, I was thinking, like, what does Jesus see? I mean, I know he sees all these people, and we know that at the cross, everyone becomes every one. But who does Jesus see in that crowd? As he looks at people who are killing him, who are mocking him, who does he really see? And I believe this. This is the grace of God. He saw people mocking him, and he saw people who would be set free at the cross and sent far from the cross. He looked at people who were sneering at him, and I believe that in a way that only he could do, he was like, I have a destiny even for you. I have a plan for you. Like, I get it. You're killing me right now. I get it. I get that. Like, we'll have to work through that, but I've got a plan for you. Your, your history is back here, but your destiny is over there, and today will not define who you are. I can still use you. And if he was on the cross right here and looking out at every one, every one of us, he would say, I know what your past is, but I've got a plan for you. I've got a, hist I've got a destiny for you. I'm not worried about what you've done. I just know what I want to do through you. And if I'm lifted up, I'm going to draw all men to me. And we sang that song earlier about being restored. That's what he wants to do, church. He wants to restore to us this destiny, this calling that he has. He wants to restore to us this relationship, father to son and daughter. You know why? Because he wants us to leave this place today and carry the message of the cross, which means he wants us to go forgive people. 
people who don't deserve it, people who don't even ask for it. He just wants us to forgive them because there's power in forgiveness.